If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you here today. I want to say a special hello to my in-laws. Dave and Karen Cook are in our midst today. It's great to have you all with us. Um, And uh, also we want to welcome back our worship leader and youth pastor, no longer Jonna Allen, but now Jonna Gray, uh, she married Brian, and uh, they just got back from uh, honeymoon in San Diego, and then finally came to some good weather back home to Texas, so it's good to, good to have you back. We missed you guys. I'm sure you had a great time. All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms. We are in the book of Psalms in our Route 66 series, uh, walking through every book of the Bible, uh, one week at a time, just a little glimpse into each book. Uh, so by the time we finish this, you'll have a pretty good synopsis of what the Bible is about. And uh, we've, we're charting our course with a map that I've laid out for us uh, in this trip. The M stands for memento, and this will pick up things along the way to bring into our lives. These will be some practical truths that you can you can meditate on, you can confess these things and pray about these things and be thinking on them all, all during the week. And then uh, the A is for attraction, where this will be the must-see places in, the, in these uh, books of the Bible. And then always we will come to the person of Jesus because this is, he is the sum total of the entire book. Uh, the scripture teaches us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The name and his name is Jesus. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into, uh, today I want to spend most of our time in our memento. Usually, it's usually more in the attraction, but I've got some things I want to get to you today. Um, four, four things that we're going to learn out of the book of, our chapter, book of Psalm, chapter 19. Chapter 19. This is a marvelous book. It's 150 chapters, so you can understand it was a little difficult for me to narrow all of that down into one message. But I think I did, and uh, uh, <clears throat> we'll, we'll find out. Verse 7 of Psalm chapter 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Father, thank you for these next few moments, the hearing of your word, Lord, and as I stand here to declare it, I thank you that you grace my lips to do this, Lord. I thank you for the gift of teaching that you've bestowed upon me to teach your people your word, teach your people your truths, and Father, we just invite now the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ to be in our midst today, Lord. Illuminate our hearts and minds to your scripture, Lord, that these words will come alive in us, Lord, and that they will produce what they are meaning to produce. That is life for your people and that more abundantly. We receive your word with thanksgiving, Lord. We know that in it is life and health for all of our flesh. We honor you. We honor your word that stands forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, before we go any further, I just was told, I was informed by my friend Brian Triber, um, this might not mean much to some of you and maybe make some of you angry, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, there was a new poll uh, just come out about uh, America's favorite football team. 
number one happens to be <clears throat> the Denver Broncos. So just want you to know, those days, those days are over. So I just want to say, all you Cowboy fans, there's no need to live in the past. Come over to the orange and blue. There's, come on in. The water's fine. Cowboys did happen to be number four, so you guys got your work cut out for you. But I will say, I will say they're doing a great job. They're, doing, they're playing some good football right now. But I have a feeling it's not enough. So... Uh, <laughs> Now, I want you to notice here. <laughs> I already stirred it up now. Okay. Should have waited till after the night. Pearl, I love you. Uh, verses 7 and 8 here. Uh, look what it says. It says, the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, and the commandment of the Lord. What that means for you and I today is the word of God. Uh, the, 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 the law didn't apply to us. It never was for us. You know, I, I think it's neat that people have little plaques of the Ten Commandments in their house, whatever, but it really didn't have anything to do with us as Gentiles. It was, this was for the Jewish nation to define them as a nation with these laws of God. And uh, so we were never even, we were strangers. The scripture says we were, we were foreigners and strangers. We're strangers to the covenants of promise foreigners to the commonwealth of Israel. So God, by his grace, brought us in. So that's why we as Gentiles need to hear the gospel of grace. We need to hear this great message. The only way that we can come into the family of God is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, not by keeping certain rules and regulations, all right? Let me just say that we got a better deal, folks. I mean, that's an amazing thing that we're made righteous not by what we do or don't do, but by what Jesus did for us. His performance in the earth was all that was necessary for us to come into a right relationship with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, that he died for our sins, and he was buried, and God raised him from the dead on the third day. And the glorious invitation is, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, any whoever's in here today, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's no respecter of persons. He loves all of you today. Amen. So, the word for us, this, so we're going to talk about the effect of the word and really lean on that part of these verses. So I want to get four things to you as far as your memento goes, and I want to encourage you to take notes on this today and, uh, and like I said, meditate on this and look for it to be at work in your life. Expect God's word to work. You know, it's not, it's not enough to, for us to just know the promises of God. I don't know about you. I don't want to just know about them. I want to live in those things. I want what God has promised us to be my experience in life. Can I get a good amen today? Am I talking to you today? Huh? That we want to live what God has said that we can live, live the life that we, he has said that we can live. And so some of the effects of his word definitely affect the way we live uh, and how we view life and God. So uh, we can expect the word of God to produce from these few verses here, four main things. Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. I love the Hebrew word for converting. It means to bring back home again. To bring back home again. Now, I don't know what that does for you, but as I read that, it really brought a lot of comfort to me because it, what that does is gives us all a real sense of belonging, doesn't it? That the word of God helps us know that we belong to him and... <clears throat> It also helps us know who we really are then. I can remember when I was a kid, my dad would always tell us, especially when we were teenagers, and he know, you know, dads know how teenage boys think and what they're thinking about 99% of the time. 
0.9. And so as we would be leaving the house, he always caught us right before we got to the door and he would say, boys! And we knew what was coming. Remember who you are. Yes, sir. I don't want to remember who I am right now. But this sense of belonging comes through the word that continues to bring us back to who we are, back home again. Me and my brother, when we were growing up, we loved to play outside. And most of the time, it's kind of strange. Kids these days don't do that, like hardly at all. Um, not like we used to. And, but if we weren't out in the dirt playing with our cars, we were on our bikes riding around. And Stephen was one of our friends that did that with us, playing basketball. And we, and we loved riding our bikes especially. And, uh, but Dad had this rule that you had, we had to stay within hearing distance of his whistle. Now, he did have an uncommon whistle. It was extremely loud. So we could be several blocks away and still hear Dad's whistle. If we were ever outside of that, and he whistled, and we did not come home. It did not go well with us at all. Amen. He took the Bible literally. He really did. When it says, if you don't beat a child, he will die. I always thought, as a kid, that doesn't make any sense. No beating me will kill me. What does that mean? If you don't beat him, he will die? And so he would show us, see, this is what the Bible says. Oh, thanks, Dad. Now you... It's you and God against us. That's comforting. But, no, he had this rule. So, and, and the rule had to do with two parts. One, stay within hearing distance. And the moment you hear the whistle, you better get home. You better stop whatever you're doing without hesitation, without reservation, without contemplation. You better be home. So we learned that we needed to do that. Because pain is a great teacher. Pain is a great teacher that uh, uh, teaches you lessons that you don't soon forget. You know, you're going to walk out of here today and forget probably most of what you've heard. As good as this is. <laughs> but you're still going to, that's just how we retain, you know. We hear a lot and we retain little. That's why we need to continue to hear so that we can learn more. But, but that's just the nature of learning. And Jesus even taught by the parable of the sower, right? 25% of them are going to really get it. All right, so we understand that's how we are. So we, that's how we process learning. But <clears throat> pain, though, is different, isn't it? Pain teaches, and man, you can remember the details. Everybody loves to tell their pain stories. Because <laughs> you can tell it so well. And so because, you know, mine and Brandon's backsides endured the hostility um, of the board, Swinging down, blows, blow after blow. <laughs> Learned the lesson when he whistles, go. You know, Dad, um, as our father, he had every right to expect that when he whistled for us to come home. He had the right to expect that. And we, and we as his sons had the right to actually respond to that whistle and come home. Not everybody. That didn't apply to everybody. As a matter of fact, we had another friend named Dave who one day we were out riding and me and my brother hear the whistle. So we're like, we got to go home. Dad just whistled. And he said, what are you talking about? I didn't hear anything. Well, he wasn't trained on that. And besides that, the whistle didn't even apply to him because he wasn't part of the family. That was reserved for us 
sons. And this says that the word has this power in it to convert, to bring back home those to whom it belongs. Understand today, because you belong to the Lord, He has the right to instruct you, to correct you, to teach you, to guide you with His Word, and you have the right to follow His leading. See, this, this, this transcends obligation. It transcends obedience and responsibility. No, this is, you're not an employee in the kingdom of God. All right? You're not a slave. You're not on the outside. You're sons of God, which means you have rights. As a matter of fact, John chapter 1, verse 12 says that as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become the sons of God to those who believe on his name. It's a marvelous thing. Your relationship with God is so wonderful. It's so deep, and it's so much greater than just performance. It's about the rights you have to be in this family, to hear him Call, when he calls you home to come back to who you are, to, to hear his word, to look into that perfect law of liberty and see who he says you are and see what he says that you can have. Can I get a good amen? The word brings you back to where you belong. All right? That's the first principle I want you to get. The word brings you back to where you belong. And the next thing, look at verse uh, 7b, uh, the, the second part there. The testimony, uh, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. In other words, what this does for the simple is it gives them better understanding. This is the second principle I want you to write down. The word gives you better understanding, and we need that. Uh, I, I, my dad, when he was a little boy, well, he was maybe, maybe about Dylan's age. My son's 13, 12, 13 years old. Uh, lived on a farm in southern Oklahoma, and uh, his dog crossed the fence over to the neighboring farmer's uh, property where with that farmer shot and killed uh, my dad's dog. It wasn't like the guy didn't know whose dog it was. He was familiar with the dog, but just, I mean, he had a right because it was on his property, but he shot and killed the dog. And so it infuriated my dad, and he went over to my great-grandfather's house, Paul Holler, and, and had this look on his face uh, of anger and disgust, and my Paul obviously saw it and said, what's the matter, John? And he told him what happened. He said, the neighboring farmer shot and killed his dog. He said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. And Dad said, yeah, he's about to be, he's about to be sorry because I'm going to go kill his dog now. And he said, Paul was sitting there on his rocking chair and just rocked a little bit and said, yeah, John, you could. You could go kill his dog. Then again, you'd be just like him. See, wisdom is looking way down the road, all right? It's seeing further. It steps ahead of where you are right now. And so it's there to help you have better understanding about your situation, about your relationships, about the choices that you make, because you're heading into a future. And especially when it comes to your relationships, ladies and gentlemen, be careful about being too quick to burn bridges, and to cut off relationship because you never know what it could mean for you down the road. I'll give you some advice that my dad taught me years ago. If the bridge in your relationship is burning, you throw water as far as you can. The Apostle Paul said it like this, <clears throat> as, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. In other words, do what you can do, all right, on your side so that you can have a clear conscience and so that you can know that you've done 
all that you can. But wisdom helps you see. It gives you better, better understanding, all right? And therefore, to make better choices about your life. Look at, let's look at verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. I love this verse of Scripture, rejoicing the heart, because everything about us flows out of that heart. The, the heart is the center, the core of our very being. And this says that the Word of God causes your heart to rejoice. And if your heart is happy, ladies and gentlemen, your life is happy. All right? The Scripture teaches us in Proverbs that out of the heart, you need to guard your heart or keep your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. Jesus said it like this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can tell a lot about someone, what's going on in their heart by what's coming out of their mouth, whether it's evil or, or good or whether it's bad. One of the saddest things to me is that some of the saddest people on, on the earth are Christians. I don't get that. I don't understand it. Why they think they have to live so stoically and, and so sad and, and act like holiness has nothing to do with joy. Act like living for God has nothing to do with happiness and joy when the Bible teaches something way different than that, a whole different reality. I want you to write this down, this third principle. The Word fills you with good feelings. It's okay to feel good. Yes. Amen. We, we have it. God gave us feelings, and the Word does that for us. It's okay to feel good, Christian. Come on now. Listen, we're the ones who should be feeling the best in the earth. We've got the, we've, we're saved. We've got a, a home in heaven. We're secure in God. And he's given us richly all things to enjoy is what the scripture says. So I want to give you this definition of joy that um, as I was thinking about joy and what it does, I wrote this down. Joy is the continual anticipation of good. The continual anticipation of good. There's something about it. A person is joyful. Why? Because they, they have a different outlook on life. They have a different outlook on their future. You know, Jesus endured that cross, according to Hebrews 12, for the joy that was set before him. He set joy before him, and he was able to endure the most horrific thing for all of us because of joy. See, joy does something. It has this pulling factor about it that pulls you into greater things. So when your heart is overflowing with joy, ladies and gentlemen, you are in a good place. Now, I, I've been accused of, accused of this kind of stuff by the way I preach and the, the message that we bring, you know, uh, been accused of always just bringing feel-good messages as if that's a bad thing. Hey, I've been on enough in enough church services and heard enough sermons that I felt bad. It didn't change me. It didn't make me a better person. Huh? It was, it's the joy of the Lord that's my strength. Huh? When I read, when I read what Paul wrote in, in uh, Romans chapter 10, he says, how, how will they hear without a preacher and how will they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of Good things. Now, I don't know what other people are preaching, but I think that's what we're supposed to preach. A gospel of peace and bringing glad tidings of good things. And I think that, that the response to that would be good feelings. It only stands to reason. I don't know. I hear about peace. Man, that peace. I hate that peace stuff. I hate tranquility. I hate feeling good. It's ludicrous. All you all do is preach those feel-good messages. Well, I'm sorry. That's what the Bible instructs me to preach. Yeah. Right. 
Sorry, I didn't realize you were smarter than the Bible. <laughs> but Jesus' disciples returned. Jesus' disciples returned from, from this mission he sent them out on, and he was teaching them that they could do the very same things he did. They laid hands on sick people, and they recovered just like Jesus did. They cast devils out of people, and the devils left people. So when they came back, they came back giving all these great reports, and they said, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, well, don't rejoice because of that. See, that's a temporary thing. You need to rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Set your joy on that permanent, fixed, fast thing so that every day you'll have this anticipation of good in your life because heaven is where we're ending up anyway, and it is a joyful place. All of you who like to be quiet with the Lord, you might as well get over it because it's going to be a party, all right? So... Me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. Well, you, ain't, you might think that right now, but when you get there, there ain't no you and Jesus and your own thing. There's going to be billions of people. Amen. Okay. So we're practicing now. That's why we do it the way we do it, because we're practicing for there, acting like we're already there. All right. I don't, I don't know why I said all that. Uh, The word fills you with good feeling. Next, 8b, let's look at this. It says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I love this, enlightening the eyes, enlightening the eyes. Write this down, the fourth thing, the word helps you see what you can't see. See, Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. Why? Why is that important? Why is it that Paul said that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened? Because we need to see something that we can't see. Something besides what we already know and see in the natural. And if there's more to see, this is what's encouraging to me. Since there's more to see, then there's so much more for us to experience. It all comes down to this. Faith in God is the way that you see what you can't see. Okay? It's knowing that you know even when you don't know. That's what faith is. The enlightening of the eyes. And how does faith come, folks? Romans 10 again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, listen, it's not just any word of God. Are you hearing me? It's not just any word of God. Because you can read Leviticus and get real depressed. All right? It's really about, it's really about reading, it's really about the gospel. That's what this whole, that whole chapter is about, about hearing the gospel or the word of faith preached and with that, see, this is beautiful. Along with those words, along with that gospel comes faith attached to it, all right? So that you then can begin to see things how God sees them. Uh, Romans 1.16 says, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. So there's revelation through the gospel. There's an enlightening. Our eyes are open. See, you, you know things now that you wouldn't have known before. You see things now that you would not never have seen with your natural eyes. One of the, my favorite ways to watch football is on the radio because you see things with your own mind's eye. You, your imagination is at work. And even though the commentator is, is 
is describing the game to you and the players and what's going on, you're having to piece all that together with your own imagination. I mean, anyone can sit in front of a TV and watch the game, and that's, that's fine in, in its own right. But there's something interesting about listening to the radio. When, when, before the TV was, kids used to gather around the radio and listen to stories. They would tell stories, and, and their imaginations, they would, they would imagine what all was being said. And, and two kids could be listening to the same story and see different things. But it's those words, those descriptions that are helping you, help paint a picture for you to see. And when you hear the word of God, guess what? All of a sudden, you begin to get a picture of what life can be. See, the eyes can only observe things as they are or things as they are not. But they do not have the power to change things as they are or as they are not. They they can only observe what's happening. They can only observe life as it's coming to them. But you weren't created to just observe life as it comes to you. You were created to change the world world. You were created to not just take what life hands you, to not just let circumstances dictate the kind of life that you're going to live. You were born with a purpose, and that purpose was to bring the change. See, faith is like this. Faith is this calling those things that be not as though they were. Why? Because things need to change. That's why. And it's going to take faith in God, not just an observation, but faith in God, that God perspective, that the way, see things the way God sees it through the enlightening of the eyes so that you can know how to declare God's word and get his experience to be your experience. Faith or the word helps you see what you can't see. And that's why the scripture says we don't look at the things which are seen while we do not look at things which are seen, we look at the things which are not seen. That's an interesting verse of Scripture. How do you not look at the things you can see, but look at the things that you can't see? By faith. Through the enlightening, enlightenment that the Word brings to your life. Now, wow, I have to keep, I have to move forward. The Word brings you back to where you belong. The Word gives you better understanding. The Word fills you with good feelings, and the Word helps you see what you can't see. Has that encouraged you so far? Now, I'm almost through. Almost. But I was trying to think of the attraction. You know, usually the attraction in these books has been the big story in there, in that book. And there's, golly, I mean, it took me, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you how long it took me to try to narrow down what the attraction would be. So I finally decided to come up with my top ten favorite psalms that I quote and pray all the time, all right? And that was difficult in and of itself to just narrow it down to 10. So I want to give those to you quickly. And, uh, and I know you've heard me say a lot of these psalms. By the way, I have to stop for a moment, and we have to welcome back. Miss Velma Ring is back in church with us. We're so glad to have you. We love you, ladies. Back on a good road of recovery. Amen. Glad to have you. I do, I do wish we had some red carpet for you when you came, came in that foyer today, no doubt. She's one of the, the pillars in our church. Um, but I'm not, I, I have to say that the top 10 Psalms besides Psalm 23 and 91, okay, aren't they the obvious ones? Okay, so I, you know Psalm 23, the, the one you hear at every funeral. Psalm 4.8, something I pray over, pray over, our, pray over our children since they were little bitty. You want to come up here and sing it, Dylan? How many of you want to hear Dylan come sing this song? Okay, 
Can you at least come and say it? You won't have to sing it. Thanks, my man. And I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you, and all, for you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. All right. Good job. Thank you, son. I'm t- hey, man, my dad used to do the same thing to me, bro. It's just good to be on this side of it. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. If you ever have trouble sleeping, make a friend of this verse right here. All right? Take it into your life. Next, Psalm chapter 5, verse 12. I love this verse of scripture. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous, and with favor you will surround him as with a shield. Now, that's an amazing thought. Think about that. Heather was talking about that this morning, that favor that Jesus came to bring us with God. Think of it as a shield that surrounds you, that before you ever come into a situation, favor has already shown up before you got there on your behalf. Surround you as with a shield. Psalm chapter 16, verse 5 says this, you, Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines are fallen to me in pleasant place, places. Yes, I have a, what is it? Good inheritance. <laughs> yes, I have a good inheritance. That's, that's awesome. Psalm 20, verse 4 says this, may he grant you according to the desi- your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. Amen. That's a good one, isn't it? Psalm 33, 11 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Listen to me. The counsel of the Lord is ancient as his word is, yet it is absolutely relevant to this generation right here. All right? It's alive, it's living, and it's right here for your life, for you to get it into your life and to apply it and receive its full effect. Amen. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart for all generations. If he had a plan for the generation before, he has a plan for this generation right now, and he'll have a plan for the next generation. Now, I know the world's trouble, and I know we got all kinds of stuff going on right now, but let's not forget God is on his throne. All right? God is on his throne, and he has plans. All right? And it's for us to declare his plans on the earth. All right? Amen. And go vote. Okay. (laughs) And vote right. (laughs) Psalm 34 says, uh, I will bless, is that right? I will bless the Lord at all times. Yes, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Uh, When I was a kid, we sang this song. And it went, uh, uh, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in thee, Lord. The humble shall hear their oven be glad. And I always imagine this oven being glad. <laughs> shall hear their oven be glad. They didn't quite. <laughs> they shall. Now that's King James Version. The New King James clears it all up for us. So it's not about the oven. The humble shall hear of it. <laughs> And be glad. Okay. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Isn't that a marvelous verse of scripture? Then it says, they looked unto him and were radiant. Hey, Christian, this is beautiful. It says, they looked unto him and were radiant. Some people look at God or think about looking at God and feel ashamed, but not you, not as children. You look to him and you're radiant. 
You're radiant because of his love. You understand that he is your father and you are his child. Amen. And you've surpassed all that fear stuff. Okay, I don't have time to keep going to Psalm. Uh, verse 8. Verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, blessed are those, blessed is the man whose trust is in him. All right, we've got to keep moving. Uh, let's go to Psalm 92, verse 13. You hear me talk about this one all the time. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. What that means for you and I today, when you plant yourself in the house of God, it affects all of your life. Everything else about your life, it'll affect the way that you, you, uh, your marriage and your relationship with your, with your spouse. It'll affect the way you raise your children. It'll affect, should, it should affect the way that you, that you uh, work and your work ethic and how you, how you live in society. The, the word of God being planted in the house affects every part. Amen. That's why it's important to be here. That's why it's important to be in church regularly. Amen. Remember, Jesus had a custom of being in church. If he needed to be in church, okay. <laughs> Okay, this, Psalm 103 says this, <laughs> Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals, how many? All your disease, who redeems your life from destruction. That way you know that sickness and disease are not from God. He redeems you from those things. Okay? He redeems you from the, well, we don't understand. Oh, shut up. Yeah, you do. Read the Bible. Read the Bible and you'll understand. Okay? All right. Good God, bad devil. That's what it comes down to. Forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with what? Good things. Why? So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I want to encourage everybody here. Listen to me. Watch how you talk about you in the age that you are in. All right? If you want to be old, then just talk old. But if you get good things in your mouth, you can renew that youth. Hey, that's good. It's better than vitamins. <laughs> but you see it all the time. You see people just get old by what they say. Well, I guess I'm at that age. Stuff's falling apart. Okay. Psalm 107, verse 20 says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And I love Psalm 145, verse 16, number 10. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. In other words, that which you truly desire is found in the hand of your God. All right? Nothing else will satisfy like what's in his hand. And let's go to Psalm 22. And this is where we will finish with the person of Jesus. Marvelous insight the Lord gave to King David a thousand years before great David's greater son would come on the scene. David is pinning these songs and prayers and just beautiful, beautiful words and comes to 22, and something happens. A revelation opens up to him. And I still don't even think that he could have known then what he was really seeing or what he was really knowing, what God was showing to him. But we see it. Thousands, a thousand, oh, well, we're thousands of years later now. Look at this. He starts it off. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Verse 2. Oh my God, I cry in the night in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and I'm not silent. Now we're going to parallel this with Matthew chapter 27. And here's Jesus. Now the sixth hour, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, that is from noon until three o'clock in the afternoon, there was darkness over all the land. So it's daytime and yet it's night. You see that? And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the daytime, and in the night season. Now, let's go back to Psalm 22. Listen to this. Verse 6, he says, But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. Now, we know that Jesus became sin for us. He did not become a sinner. No, he, he got down to the very root of the issue, the root of the problem, and that was the condition. It wasn't our actions that was sinning, that was dooming men forever. It was men's condition. We were born sinners, all right? Uh, people say, well, if you've lied, then you're a sinner. No, no, you're a sinner because you're born, <laughs> all right? Your condition needs it. You have to be born again. That's what being born again means, to be born of the Spirit, that is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But here Jesus says, I am a worm. In other words, he's become the sin center of the world. But this this is interesting. He says, I'm a worm. And that caught my attention. Why is Jesus referring to himself through David a thousand years before as a worm? Until I began to do some word study on that worm, and it is actually a specific kind of worm called the scarlet or the crimson worm. And this worm has a unique, a unique uh, nature about it. it. When it gets ready to lay its eggs, it attaches itself to the base of a tree and permanently fixes itself to it and then lays its eggs. And then it dies. And at its death, this crimson fluid flows out of it, staining both the worm and the tree. And it also serves as a shield a protector for those eggs until they hatch and then begin their own life cycle. Out of death comes life through a blood stain. Isn't that a marvelous thing? I'm a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All of this is pointing to our Savior. Verse 7, all those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Now watch this. Back over to Matthew 27. Likewise, the chief priest also mocking with the scribes and elders said, he saved others. He himself, he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. Verse 43, he trusted in God. Let him deliver him. Isn't that amazing? Word for word. Now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. Now, let's go back. I'm almost through. Psalm 22, look at verse 14. He's saying, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. It's one of the most horrific things that somebody would face on as being... At crucifixion, forgive me, besides, you know, being pinned, impaled to a, a cross, is, is their fluids begin to drain down into their legs, plus the amount of blood loss. And thirst is usually the consequence of all that fluid and blood loss. And Jesus said that very thing in John when <clears throat> chapter 19. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. His tongue was clinging to his jaws at that moment. All of his life 
Everything that produces life, life is in the blood, was poured out of him. And then verse 16, for dogs in Psalm 22 have surrounded me. What that means is those are Gentiles. To the, to the Jew, the Gentiles are the dogs, all right? These are the Romans surrounding me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. Watch, they pierced my hands and my feet. This is before crucifixion was ever even invented, ladies and gentlemen. And yet God is revealing this very specific way to die through this psalmist, through this King David. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And I'll finish with this. John 19 says this. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece, which was, which was a very nice piece of clothing, all right? Not all of them were like that, so this thing was made very well. It was very expensive, so they decided not to rip it up and divide. Instead, verse 24, then they said, therefore among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots or gambled for it. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. Marvelous, marvelous peek into what was coming when our Redeemer would come and save us from our sins. I want us to bow our heads for just a moment. Father, thank you so much for this time today in your presence with your people, God. I love being in the house with your people. Lord, there's so many things that we receive when we're in this kind of atmosphere together that as individual members of the body, the scripture says that we supply and we receive from one another. We supply for and receive from. Lord, we also come here to worship you, to remember that you are God and to magnify you in our lives so that we can keep the right perspective on how life really works and that who we belong to is greater than what we see in this world. Your scripture tells us greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And we come here today, God, to be renewed and strengthened in our hope in God and believe that anything is possible to those who believe. We thank you for the gospel that has saved us from our sins, Lord, that we heard that good news that brought good feelings to us, God. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting their sins against them, not counting their sins against us. Thank you that you that you chose not because we deserved it but because you just chose to give to us grace mercy and love and father i thank you that as your children we have rights in this family you have rights in our life your scripture says that we're no longer our own we've been bought with a price the very blood of jesus has brought us right into the family of God. And in this family, Lord, your word teaches us and guides us and instructs us. It leads us. It corrects us. It builds us. And then we have a right to receive from your word all of its intended purpose. Thank you for all those that are here today, Lord, under the sound of my voice. If there are some who are strayed from you today, God, that they would come back home as your scripture says that they would be converted today and come back to where they belong back into your loving arms thank you Lord that all these are here today walk 
in a new and fresh understanding of their relationship with you. That it's not about performance, not about obligation. It's that we are the children of God. And we are heirs according to his purpose. Bless every home that's represented here. And I declare as the Apostle Paul did for the church, that grace and peace would be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name that we give you thanks and praise. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11, and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.